Hi and welcome to Dedox Talks the Dedox a podcast where we talk to some of the world's finest leaders about their detox rituals and how they maintain continuity in a world of noise and chaos how they make sure that the criticism that the world puts on them doesn't affect their insight and they still continue to perform as well as they do thanks for tuning in this is Kunal Chandirmani and you are listening to Dedox Talks the Dedox We have Tarun Sukhani with us, the co-founder and CTO of Abundant, a big data company based in KL. Thanks for taking out the time and welcome to Detox. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. So, Tarun, across your journey, you had a lot of diversities. You moved from the US to KL. You turned from biology to mathematics, and and are now running a tech-based company. So, a lot of transitions. In the midst of all these transitions, there's always this one phase where you have a part of your earlier self still with you when you transition. So, how are you able to detox from that and not let that affect what you're doing right now? So, I mean, I you know, just to clarify, actually, I was born in India in Jaipur, Rajasthan, and you know, we traveled quite a bit. So, I we relocated to Lusaka, Zambia. You know, I spent some time there in the Philippines, India. and then finally we ended up in the United States so by the time i was 5 and a half 6 years old i had already been living like in several countries you know and then when we moved to the united states we settled in first in rochester michigan uh which is a suburb of detroit before we moved to chicago and then eventually you know i i've spent my formative years in in you know chicago suburb you know so that's kind of like my early journey you know being a typical indian you know immigrant during that time period it meant that you only had two choices either become a doctor or a lawyer so right so so basically <laughs> choose the professions you know so basically you know uh i was kind of directed towards me, you know medicine medical kind of profession because both my parents are doctors and eventually my sister became a doctor too so i thought i was going to end up one as well you know and that's kind of like how i mentally prepared myself you know at a very early age Uh, you know i was reading like gray's anatomy and all these books you know as uh, a grade schooler and high schooler i ended up basically winning all of the scholastic bowls because i knew all the medical knowledge so i thought actually i was going to be a doctor right even though i hated medicine and you know i so i thought that i could be like a a pathologist or a podiatrist or something like that you know <laughs> something where i didn't have to deal with people too much uh, so i always knew that i didn't want to go into a people profession uh but you know i was just basically doing the wishes of my parents i actually you know did take the mcat and uh, went through that program when i was at university of chicago you know where i was doing biology and biochemistry but then eventually of course i switched to math and computer science and i focused on finance uh business and more related to business it primarily because i wanted to become an entrepreneur a business it professional programmer etc so switching basically to to engineering software engineering so essentially you know most of my kind of detox has been you know trying to to get away from the model minority you know milieu that was there in the united states kind of trying to escape that so when you took a transition from a uh, biology to a totally different field of mathematics uh, was there any noise that came in in terms of people are uh, going forward and telling you that you spend so much time in with studying biology and then taking the shift and how were you able to deal with all of that if it did come 
No, no, that never happened. I mean, you know, well, I mean, I'm in the United States. So in the United States, they don't care. The universities don't care. And students really don't care. It's very cliquish. And so long as you pay the tuition, people leave you alone. So, you know, so, so no one like, you know, no one's like say, hey, you know, why did you switch or things like that? I mean, my parents, of course, were upset and surprised. Uh, but, right. you know, not really anybody else. Uh, I, I think people pretty much, you know, keep to kept to themselves with regard to that. What about your personal self when you weren't uh, doing mathematics and you were pursuing biology, which was something you personally did not really like? Uh, what about your personal self? How were you able to still go ahead and do it when, how, what effect did it have on your mental health doing something that you totally do not like, but just because you need to do it? Well, it had a very negative effect. I don't want to delve into too much detail, you know, in my medical history or something like that, you know, but uh, it had a very negative effect on my psyche and mental health overall. It's not that I, that I hated biology or I didn't like biology. It's just that I didn't want to pursue that as a profession, um, anything related to it, you know, whether it's medicine or, or biological research or whatever. That was not my cup of tea. You know, learning about it and, you know, as a field of study was not off-putting necessarily, but uh, it was definitely not my cup of tea. So I was not really into it. Let's just say, you know, mentally and, you know, just, uh, I guess, uh, in terms of like interest, uh, I was just not really there. You know, it was, I was more like a zombie going through it, just like half awake, just trying to survive. It was more like that. When taking the transition, was there anything as in a positive effect on you when you took the transition from biology to something you just now really wanted to do? Well, I mean, you know, essentially, uh, you know, I made that decision on my own, you know, to basically leave that program and, and focus on another program altogether. So math and computer science, you know, I essentially abandoned, you know, what my parents wanted me to do, you know, to pursue what uh, I was interested in. And, you know, was it easy making that transition? Obviously not, you know, because my brain was so wired for, you know, biology, biochemistry, and then making that switch was not easy. So even though I, I did have some aptitude for math and computer science, uh, you know, from an early age, uh, you know, doing it as, uh, you know, within a university context is very different. So in fact, I moved from University of Chicago to University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, you know, to do that. And, you know, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign is a state school. It's not a private elite university. It's a state school. But it's also one of the best schools in the world uh, to do, you know, computer science and computer engineering, you know, especially during that time. I mean, there's a lot of famous institutions there. NCSA is there. The world's first browser was created there. One of the world's first computers was created there. So, um, you know, it's not a rinky-dink university by any means. But having said that, you know, there's tons of students there. So in your class, you know, in, in your freshman classes or whatever, you, you can have hundreds of students, you know, in, in that hall, in the lecture hall. And so, you know, you're, you're just basically a cog in the administrative machine. And so there's no sense of, of belonging. There's no sense of that you're actually learning something. It, you're just, you feel like you're just, you know, part of a tuition machine, you know, essentially. So I didn't like that one either. I didn't like that type of environment either. But, you know, again, uh, it's mostly just about surviving and getting through it. Um, I was never a big fan, you know, formal education, let's just say that, you know, ever in my life. But, you know, we, we just keep it to ourselves. We get good grades and subscribe to the model minority. It's not like we have any alternative. So 
Uh, and that was especially true back then uh, because there were very few Indians at that time, right? Comparatively speaking, you know, so, you know, we, we were basically a super minority, you know, within the United States and we had no political representation. We had no uh, media representation. So we were just an oddity essentially. So, you know, basically it was just about, uh, you know, just trying to coast through and survive and trying to get past that phase of my life. Now taking a very different perspective of procrastination. So in the early part of your life, you were very fond of mathematics, but when you weren't pursuing it, and we very often we end up delving into so much procrastination that if I do not pursue what I want to pursue and I end up pursuing something totally different, I might not be where I want to be. Do you face this procrastination? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, I think procrastination goes hand in hand with not living the life that you feel you should be living. Right. And so this is rarely talked about in the medical literature and, and things like that in the psychiatric literature, you know, primarily because especially during that time, they didn't do research on model minorities. And so what I've discovered, at least for me, you know, was that because I wasn't living the life I wanted to live, I would procrastinate a lot more. Uh, you know, because it, you you just feel like a zombie going through it. And, you know, you're just basically doing things at the last minute just to survive. So I never really had my heart and soul, you know, into it. A lot of the, you know, my rekindled interest in learning, you know, happened way after I was done with college, university and things like that. Even after graduate school, you know, I had like graduate school, you know, it was just basically a piece of cake for me. And uh, I knew I wasn't learning really anything. I already knew everything before I entered that program. It was just credentialism at that point. So, you know, I really didn't really have a, a real interest in learning until well after that, because I realized that, you know, for the first time in my life, I could pursue what I really wanted to pursue and learn uh, without having that, you know, kind of structure around me impo in imposing, you know, certain requirements as to you know, what credits I need to get this and blah, blah, blah. Oh, throughout your life, you've shifted from India to the to Philippines, to the United States, and then to KL. So when you do shift from one place to another, very often you end up carrying a part of you from that place to the other place. And that very often ends up affecting your mental health. How were you able to face with that? Uh, staying positive and staying mentally healthy when very often uh, changing your place you are in? Well, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't think that um, I coped well uh, with that transition. And I think that this is a problem, you know, that a lot of Indian Americans have experienced, uh, NRIs or whatever you want to call them, uh, you know, especially those that came during the earlier wave of immigration to the United States, uh, you know, primarily because there were few people like us at that time. So I think that, you know, that kind of uh, everybody copes differently. So some people, for example, assimilate more to that culture, to their, you know, host culture, their adopted culture, they kind of uh, assimilate better. And some people don't assimilate very well. And I kind of fell into the latter category. So even though I could talk the talk and walk the walk, you know, in other words, assume, uh, you know, all the nuances and kind of persona of an American with all its, uh, you know, associated memes and behaviors, I never really felt any sense of belonging to uh, the United States, uh, to the people there or to the culture. So I kind of like, I didn't feel Indian either, of course. So I always tell people I'm, I'm basically neither Indian nor American. I'm some like weird hybrid, <laughs> you know, in between right. some mutant, some mutant hybrid. <laughs> what about now in KL? Well, I mean, you know, KL, obviously, you know, Kuala Lumpur has its own culture. Malaysia has its own culture. You know, it's kind of like um, a mix of different things, you know, together, mix of British, mix of Malay, Chinese, Indian, you know, South Indian mostly. Um, and it's just kind of smorgasbord of all these uh, cultures together. Uh, you know, I'm a North Indian, so I don't fit 
you know, with the South Indian culture. But, you know, there's also the British element of it because it, it was, you know, a colony, of course, just like India was, you know. So I would say that I relate more to the British side of it, the Western side of it, uh, you know, more than to, I would say, the Asian side of it. I guess because, you know, you're a Sindhi as well. Uh, we're basically right. a refugee population. We don't have right. we don't have our homeland. Uh, our homeland is, is gone, right? I mean, we can't return there right. without getting killed by a bunch of Pakistanis. So the reality is, is that we don't have a homeland. There's nothing for us to return to. There's no sense of real belonging. So wherever I go in the world, I'm essentially a refugee. You know, I, I tell people I have a refugee mentality, right? I don't really assimilate to any particular culture. I don't belong to any culture. Uh, and, and nor would I want to belong to any culture. I kind of set up my own. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's something very, very relatable with the 21st century about, about being an earthling more than being a citizen of a country, being a citizen of the planet. Right. I mean, of course, governments, uh, you know, haven't caught on with that, right? <laughs> you know? So, so governments are still stuck in the nation state era, uh, the, the 17th, 16th century model of the nation state, you know, Adam Smith and, and you know, those type of models of, of, the, of the nation state, right? And that's how the world works. I mean, we have passports, we have travel restrictions and quotas. I mean, there's no freedom of movement on this planet, despite the fact that the internet and all these other, you know, tools allow us to be closer than ever before. So despite the fact that we're communicating across, you know, cross-culturally more than we have ever done before, we're still stuck with the 16th century model of, of existence, of coexistence. So very often we end up having a, a day where something doesn't go right for us and it just influences us. So what's your detox? What's your go-to detox whenever you need to detox? Well, I mean, a lot of people have written about this already, you know, which is about, you know, being grateful and, and, and having a list of, of what you're grateful for and things like that. So, uh, you know, basically I go to that. I look at, you know, what I should be grateful for. You know, I have a roof over my head. You know, I have a salary. You know, I have two loving parents. I have extended family here, relatives that care about me. Right. So there's a lot of things that are going well for me in that respect. You know, if an incident happens or whatever, it's not a big deal because I have so many things to be grateful for. Right. Let's move on to the rapid fire round. Yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead. So here we go. India, Malaysia, the United States. Malaysia. Seafood versus vegan. Can I choose neither? (laughs) (laughs) Corporate training or entrepreneurship? Corporate training. Stanford or MIT? Stanford. Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Neither. Mac or Windows? Mac. Apple or Android? Apple. Beaches or mountains? Beaches. You wake up in 2030. What is the first thing you Google? Is uh, Donald Trump president again? Change or no change? Uh, Change. Uh, You're flying to one destination and you're going to be there for the rest of your life. What destination is that? Bali. You can have only one person beside you for the rest of your life. Who's that going to be? I'll say my wife. How about that? (laughs) WhatsApp or Facebook? Neither. Facebook or Instagram? Neither. LinkedIn or Instagram? LinkedIn. KL or India? KL. Your favorite detox drink? Smoothies, I'd say. You just heard an episode on the Detox Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, whether it is Spotify or iTunes. We are there.